0: Well, good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, Ambassador of 805 Connect and your host for this 805 Conversation, where we talk to fascinating people you'll want to know better. Our show is sponsored by California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services. Thanks to them both for their support and encouragement. And thanks to our podcasting partner, Polestring Press, for this great studio, and to Patrick, my co-host. Hey, Patrick. Hey, good morning, Mark. Patrick, we... um, You're going to love this conversation. Uh, I met Dr. Joan Rosenberg uh, several months ago. Good morning, Joan. How are you?
1: I'm doing great. Hi, Patrick. Hi, Mark.
0: I am am thrilled to have this conversation. We met uh, as a part of your work with Bo Eason, who's another member of the 805 and uh, the Strategic Samurai. Who we've had on the show kimberly while was at the world's greatest speaker conference met bo and brendan and uh roger love and through that relationship we met you and you work closely with uh bo eason's groups and we invited you on the show because you're one of the smart ones joan
1: <laughs> thank you so much what a great way to start this show <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I've, I, 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 you know, I've I've had occasion to have conversations with you, enough to say we okay, we've got to get this, on the record, um, so you can Google Joan uh, or look in the, the show notes. We'll have tons of information about her. But, Joan, you you have been around the block for a long time. You're an old hand at radio. I come to find out, you've you did a show called Full Circle. Um, how long did you do that show?
1: Actually, I did the I did the show uh, from uh, I was I think around 2008 to 2010. Wow! And before that, it was an iteration called Women's Inspiration. Ah! Uh-huh. So I, the the total time at CSU Northridge was roughly four to five years.
0: So this was pre-podcast.
1: It was pre-podcasts. I was on traditional radio.
0: So now I feel like I, when I'm talking to my grandmother, I tell her I'm doing a radio show because she has no idea what podcast is. Um, but uh, my question, I, I made a note when I saw this, was because uh, I'm always studying uh, interviewing techniques and be- favorite questions and things like that. What was your favorite question to ask your guests?
1: The, well, we always asked a signature question at the end, and the signature question, was what did they have any ideas, or what would they do to promote
2: a more positive culture?
0: Oh, I love that. Um, it makes me feel like I need a signature question. I started thinking of my answer <laughs> right away. <laughs> well, yeah, we have something that uh, we do as a little signature at the very end, and I won't spoil that. Uh, we'll <laughs> okay. save that. So we do have we do have a signature question, don't we, Patrick? We do always. Um, so Joan, uh, you. You teach. Um, Tell us what. Tell us what and where you teach.
1: I'm currently teaching at Pepperdine, and I've spent really the past three decades teaching in a variety of academic institutions. I taught at USC, and I taught a professional school in psychology in Dayton, Ohio, as well. So I've, I've spent, but I've spent really three decades teaching in doctoral programs in psychology. And currently I'm affiliated with the doctoral program in psychology at Pepperdine University
0: in Malibu. And the tie-in here with, with the, the listener we have, which is around leadership and mastery and business and professional things, the conversations we've had is you do a lot of coaching with CEOs and, and business leaders and people that are trying to up their game through the work you're doing with Bo and you've got a word for it. You call it emotional mastery. I love that. Mm-hmm. Tell us what emotional mastery is, and and more, how do you know when you've, when you've achieved it?
1: Oh, that's a great question. You probably know when you've achieved it when you have a sense of being able to be responsive in situations as opposed to reactive. That would be one major point. A second would be that you live with a more peaceful interstate. So you feel peaceful and calm as you go through throughout the day. And you also have an experience of confidence and emotional strength. So think, think of uh, peaceful, calm, and resilient.
0: I know that uh, I've been working on that specifically myself for the last year and it shows up when things don't work and how you respond, uh, you know, when things get out of control you're like, oh, and instead of going, oh shit, what am I gonna, do? you just, okay, you just kind of observe that with interest and you have that resiliency. It's that ability to bounce back. What are the, and I mean, I've got so much around this. When you're sitting with someone for the first time, what are your clues that, uh, someone needs working needs to work on their emotional mastery are there some clues that we could look to ourselves for
1: uh, staying hooked in an old story mm. that that there there's something that's happened either one thing or several things that's happened in someone's life and they can't seem to let go of whatever that experience is or was uh, they still continue to feel impacted by it Uh, Certainly, being reactive would be an indicator and explosive. Uh, uh, The notion that you have to be top dog, and that you, uh, and that that's really it—it feels that life feels more like a competition than it does a collaboration.
0: That—that's interesting because in business, I kind of feel like we're always um, competing. Yet, when we're more evolved, we're always collaborating. Is that fair to say?
1: I, I believe that. And again, the difference the difference is that you're you may be competing for market share. The idea isn't that you're competing with your colleagues. right. and And what ends up happening often is that in business settings, there's a competition within, and then it creates a more. Uh, a less a less pleasant and probably a less p- productive work environment and if people can learn how to be more collaborative in teams whatever those team makeups are then it makes a huge difference in how productive the business can become so that what you're doing is you're like i said you're competing for market share as opposed to competing against each other
0: there was a book on this subject that i I think I got ninety nine called by James Moore called the Death of Competition, which suggested to businesses that you you know it wasn't about competition. It was more. He he um, put out this idea of um, business ecosystems, and he said, look at your business in the context of the whole ecosystem of your industry. And if we think about environmental ecosystem, you know who's the air, the earth, the water, the food. The sustenance. The who are the predators? Who are I mean, just carry that metaphor on and on and on. And he would have you draw out a map. There's you. There's your customers. There's associations. There's trade regulatory groups. There's all all of the things that make up your ecosystem. And once you figure out what all the interactions are between all of those, you actually see there isn't competition. There's I mean, you you are competing for food and all of that, but. right you know someone's eating someone (laughs) by some part of the day right uh and it completely changed how i thought about competition um and and i want to talk about collaboration though because it it's a real it's something we're all trying to achieve in business and we have a really hard time doing it why why do you think that is when we talk about it we we talk a really good game i don't think we execute as well as we could
1: and if you'll dial in your question just a little bit more.
0: So we want to collaborate, but when it gets to actually putting the teams together and having them, there tends to be interpersonal dynamics and politics and all these other things that creep in and uh, make it so you can't collaborate as much as you would like to. I'm not doing as good a job on putting this question No, together. No, that's
1: a, no, that's okay. I think, you know, I, I actually there's a... I put together, and and I'd I'd have to see if I can uh, (laughs) dig out the the five or six different qualities that I'd outlined. Uh, I I might be able to do that while we're on the phone, but first of all, I don't think that people feel that their work is acknowledged.
0: uh, Mm Ah, okay.
1: And what people desire is to be recognized and acknowledged. And if they're not, then they will engage in efforts to make that happen, that starts to look more like competition. Mm. So if a CEO or manager, wh- whoever the person is that's supervising or leading can acknowledge the efforts, really re- recognize individually and at times recognize publicly the good works that their employees are doing, it, it makes a huge difference that becomes often far more vote motivating than money. And so the absence of feeling special, the absence of feeling recognized, uh, the, the meaning goes out of something and then you're, then you're competing for something else.
0: So does that go to what um, this sense of significance and that we all want to feel significant and then secondly we want to feel connected? And that significance comes from that external recognition.
1: Well, it would it would be great if the significance would come from internal.
0: I was waiting for you to say that. Thank you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but well, you know, the, the, even if we think about what we, the three of us, are doing today, we're engaged in something we believe is meaningful, Yes. and we experience internally as meaningful. So it becomes. Self-motivating self-motiv- and self-generative, because we find meaning in it. Hmm. Do, do I need somebody to come along and say, "Hey, Joan, you know what? You're doing a great job on this." For me to want to to share my knowledge? No, it's it's stimulating and meaningful within. Not everybody feels that way.
0: Yeah, that's and, that's a and rare thing,
1: right? Right. And so because they don't feel that way, they seek the external validation.
0: And I think we uh, forget and, is it is it excuse me, is it is it possible that the 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 CEO, the boss, who is self motivated, tends to think everyone's like that and forgets that people do need to have that recognition?
1: Sure, that may happen. And I also don't want to position this as an either or conversation hmm. and instead have have us understand that it's a both and that that the internal drive and the self satisfaction and the meaning that we derive from something that we do is important and also that it's it's supplements and is extra nice to have someone else outside of us yes. recognize it. So I, let's understand it's also a both and.
0: It's um, the quote I heard that I I love for this one is the genius of the and versus the tyranny of the or. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I've got a I've got an or question. (laughs) Um, So in this in this current climate of of CEOs that that have to maintain a, a perception of of you know, fast moving, strong, you know, uh, no weakness, inflappable. Um, is that, is this, is this a standard now that, that getting counseling from, or not counseling, but like uh, supportive consulting from a psychologist, is that, is that, is that a fear or weakness inside of a CEO? Or uh, is that kind of an established behavior that's happening in CEOs now? Is that an okay thing to seek outside counsel to support, you know, uh, the deficits that you might have in your leadership?
1: Well, I, I'd like to respond to that one with an analogy. Excellent. And oh, I, I, <laughs> story time. And I, I just said this last night to someone. If you, if you think of, of two leaders, it, it could be whatever the configuration is, two men, two women, doesn't matter, one man, one woman. And both know that they have a problem or a concern that they need to address. So, both know that they need help. They have the problem. They know that they need help with the problem. One goes to get help with it, seeks help, and the other one doesn't. Which one's the wise one? Which one's the
0: fool? Well, one would think the one who goes to get help.
1: Exactly. So, I think of it as wisdom for someone to go after the help that they need once they recognize there's a problem or a concern. So I never view that as a deficit from my standpoint, that's always strength. And I have a view of emotional strength that includes someone feeling capable and someone feeling resourceful and emotional strength involves acknowledging needs and limitations, being able to ask for help and being able to receive that help. And that for me falls under the resourcefulness Mm. element of emotional strength. So I position someone asking for help as emotional strength.
0: I like that you put it that way because I, I, Patrick, I I asked this question myself because we see someone once a month and I look at it as sharpening our sword. You Absolutely. Know, we're, we're just we're constantly in there, you know, uh, as we get, you know, you, you grow and you get to this plateau. It's like I've never been here before. This this terrain is a little unfamiliar. I need someone, a Sherpa, if you will, who's who's been there and can help. Oh, this is new. This while wow, you're you're like re- able to bounce back. The, I've been working on resiliency for the last couple of years. And how quickly can you write the ship once you've been rocked a little bit? And to where you can get to where it's milliseconds and you're back in it. That's you've got to work on those kind of things, right? And those are all tools that help, you know, in my day job, so to speak. Absolutely. Yes. So Joan, should ever do you think do you think that, that any, any kind of business
2: leader at any kind of level needs to be seeking this out? Or is this wait till you're a CEO or wait till you're in charge of a large group? Like when, when... Oh
1: my oh my goodness, no. The uh. sooner the sooner you pursue something like that. I think, you again, it gives you the opportunity to develop greater insight and greater awareness of what's taking place. And as a result, you you develop more and more resilience and wisdom, I think, in the process. So absolutely, the earlier one chooses to pursue that and to recognize good counsel and seek good counsel, I think it makes a huge difference in how one performs and how one leads one's life.
0: I'm so glad you said that because I've been thinking about the lessons I wish – the lessons I'm learning now that I wish someone had somehow been able to crack through my thick skull in my 25 to 35 year – that 10-year period Mm. Mm -hmm. because that's the period, you know, as young leaders. I mean, I was was a leader at that point, you know, and and running things. And I was just learning it, you know, school hard knocks and all of that. And I could have used – could have used some of these lessons. List- I could have used podcasting back then, Patrick. <laughs> I, would have list- I would have listened to this show uh, in-, in depth. So I want to switch a little bit. Uh, June, we, when we were talking in La Jolla a couple months ago, you explained this, this concept of how we deal with unpleasant feelings. And um, I, I think you said there were eight of them or something, but it was really fascinating. I think that's when I invited you to be on the show because said, oh, let's talk about that on the show. So if you don't mind, I'd love you to tell us what that, what that whole idea is.
1: The, what I figured out in my 30 to 40 years in psychology and countless thousands of hours or tens of thousands of hours of. Training and teaching is that by and large, I think the struggles that people face come down to being able to handle
2: unpleasant feelings. I'm having revelations.
1: (laughs) And good. This is then, then you're fitting into exactly what I'm talking about. Now, there, but let me, let me position it a little bit differently before I go into it. There, there's four main ways that we can approach help helping ourselves or getting help for ourselves or with ourselves and that is to address what we think how we think it how we kind of what we do in terms of our feelings which means allowing ourselves to be aware of what we're feeling to experience what we're feeling and to express what we're feeling and then the fourth is how we behave. So two elements that have to do with thinking, one that has to do with feeling, and then the last one has to do with behavior. So those are the areas that all of us can work with as we try to become better versions of ourselves.
0: So how does that show? So I have an unpleasant feeling, then it's I kind of go through those four things. What I think. Well, let about,
1: me, let me, let me give yeah, us a, tell no, us a story to help us. No no, 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 no. I'm just my and my work is more dialed into the uh, to the feeling side of it. My work is centered around what I might call a uh, one element. Of my work is centered around emotional mastery. Right. And, and so the the part that I'm talking about more specifically right now would be dialed into the feeling element of it. Got it. Except what I want I want you and others to be aware of is that there's really four major areas to tackle when somebody's trying to tackle an emotional problem. Ah, uh, got it. So, like I said, we can tackle what we think, how we think it, feelings, and also our behavior.
0: Do you find that... So, that it's hard to express. I'm on, on number three how we feel about it, how we experience it, and how we express it. Is there some good language that would help us in that way when we're trying to express it? Two things.
1: One is to have an attitude of being positive, kind, and well intentioned. Okay. So I think the attitude approach is really important. I think the other is to say it as if, say it in the manner that you would like someone to say it to you.
0: So that kind of, that speaks to being vulnerable, doesn't it? Yes, it does. That's a, a, another key word with you, I know. And, um, how does vulnerability fit into all of this? Because that's, that's the other part, Patrick, with being the CEO is, you know, we hear we've got to be vulnerable and open. It's like, oh, are you kidding? I need <laughs> I need tough Teflon. <laughs> How do you think I got here? <laughs> How does vulnerability fit into all this, Joan?
1: Well, I, I think when I, again, there's, this is so layered.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I know we're, we're 30 <laughs> years and 30 <laughs> minutes. I know.
1: That, that's I know. okay. The uh, I think of, vulnerability, there's an element of vulnerability that we all experience and none of us can get away from. And, And so it's innate, it's part of our nature, and, you know, the truth is, any one thing could happen to any one of us at any moment, and that just at some level leaves us vulnerable all of the time. It's hard for most of us to think of it in that way, except it's true. And the the notion here is that you remain you kind of keep that awareness at a very low level so it doesn't inhibit what you do on a day-to-day basis there's another element of vulnerability that we choose so I I like to call that conscious vulnerability and I define that as an openness and a willingness to learn or to be hurt hmm and when we can choose to be vulnerable we're at our greatest
0: strength so i want to unpack that a little bit so uh, so you had me at openness and willingness to learn but then and be hurt
2: right willing to be hurt that's oh, hard
0: that's that's a tough one john oh. I, I,
1: well, if we even if we look at what the three of us are doing right now, mm-hmm. we're putting ourselves out there, which means that somebody can come back and say, either that was, you know, that ugh, that was bad,
2: we didn't lit- like that at all. We literally have a comment box where people can,
1: <laughs> <laughs> for
2: all time, permanently put a put a note in there to let us uh, let us know how they felt about it. Yeah. And
1: right, but yeah. but and and it could be a comment that none of us want to hear. Mm except if we remain open to the possibility that we could learn something from it. And not all comments back that are negative are, are accurate, and, some, and many times it's, the, it's actually the problem that the commenter needs to work on, and not, the, not the person who's receiving it. So you have to have the ability to kind of parse that out and to understand what a friend of mine calls the thread of truth in the statement. But the other is that that we remain open to the possibility that we can grow more and we can evolve more from the responses of others, especially when they're constructive, if you will, constructive comments. And yet the truth is, any time we go take a risk, we're choosing to be vulnerable.
0: Yeah, you're right. I mean, that's exactly it. We're right in the middle. We did a, a big workshop last week and put a survey out and we're looking at the survey and you know you want everything to be fives <laughs> you want everything to be and when people make the comments you it's hard to not take them personally and we were talking last night and I said no here's our op- it was, it's exactly that we took a risk we did stuff we'd never done before and it was we're opening we're opening ourselves to learning hadn't thought about being hurt so I, I'm I, I want to kind of get back to that. So how, sure. do, how do you, when you get that comment, now we're lucky we don't get trolled, Patrick, in our, you know, in our in our comments. We don't attract, yeah, <laughs> not, not yet. But h- how do you not get hurt? What what kind of a defense do you put up? I mean, so that's why I guess I'm going to attacking, I mean, vulnerability. I want to, I don't want to get hurt, but I want to learn from those things. So help me out here, Joan.
1: Well the the a couple of different things again you look for the thread of truth okay and if there's if there's nothing valuable in the comment and you you, you don't recognize that within so there, you have to go into it with an openness the then you you know you just set it aside and go all right got it uh, It doesn't really
0: seem to fit okay the same
2: way if if obviously the, the same way that if they'd insulted your haircut while talking about your podcast that's completely <laughs> irrelevant you know, correct. Yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly. So so you just you set that aside. The second is that you, you know, whatever is there and constructive, then you go, all right, got it. I need to learn from this and, and kind of move on. The the third is probably the one that's a bit more challenging. And, and it's to understand that it's actually the, the, the because you're putting yourself out there, you have to anticipate the criticism because others are not taking those same risks. Hmm. And they will, they somehow have the notion that they can judge as the spectator when they're not in the ring. Hmm. And the key here is that you dial it into the fact that you are serving and you're taking the risk and you're putting yourself out there to evolve and grow and support and serve. And that's what's important. So if you're getting criticism, then you've arrived. And, you know, if, if we look at, you know, I, I've, I've worked with a number of people that are in the entertainment industry. And if they got stuck on every comment that they heard on the way they dressed or what they looked or how they sounded or whatever, whatever it is, how they performed, they'd be debilitated. So you, you can't get lost in what people are saying to you. Now again, constructive to constructive comments, constructive criticism is one thing, but when it's intended for tear down and attack, it's it's not appropriate. You you just can't listen to it, and you have to simply understand that that that's that's a sign of arrival.
2: Is that, do you, is that, that seems really applicable to the rest of life as well. Just simply, um, you know, I- I ignoring a behavior in traffic or, or somebody who's annoying you at the grocery store. Like, it seems like that it's pretty applicable across the board is that, you know, like don't somebody else's anger or frustration or, or comment towards you isn't necessarily, um, in- inclusive or accurate towards, towards you and internalize. That's the, correct. Okay. That's correct.
1: Yes. and, and, uh, and, uh, it's remembering that we're... That the, the strongest way, the healthiest way to live life is from the inside out. Hmm. It, that if we try to live our lives based on how other people want us to live our lives, it it's... There's no sense of internal strength. Hmm.
0: Which gets- and. Well, I mean, that gets back to the earlier comment about the recognition, having that recognition come from within yourself. That's
1: right. That's right. So, so, and the other part, uh, Patrick, is to understand that the truth is we're reflections of each other. Hmm. So if I'm getting upset about the person who's angry at the grocery store and I'm starting to internally or externally judge that person, Hmm. it's actually on me it's not on the other person.
2: And you are you, you then you're you're saying or positioning that 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 perhaps that's a waste of my time to be to be frustrated with these other people. That-
1: no, well, no, I wouldn't say waste of your time. If you're reacting that way, then the most beneficial use of your time is to try to get a sense of what's hooking you. Oh. Hmm. What is it about that other person that it, uh, that I'm responding to that's kind of getting me?
0: I, does this, so I'm, I'm going to...
1: It becomes, it, I'm sorry, it becomes yeah. an opportunity for reflection.
0: Hmm. So this kind of gets back to the four from earlier. Is like, what do I think about what that person said? How how we think it? And then how do I feel about it? Express it? Experiencing it? how am I, you're kind of doing all that in real time. And then how do I behave? Oh, I just walk away. I deflect or I go, oh, that's interesting. Thank you for pointing that out and move on.
2: Mm-hmm. Joan, I have a maybe an obscure question. Um, we're we're both doing it's like a master class where we're writing notes back and forth. Yes. Over here, you can't see us <laughs> in studio, but we're, we're okay. When we start writing notes, you know that we're exceptionally excited about the about the guest. But um, oh, <laughs> great! I love it. Um, so you've you've been in practice for for uh, for thirty forty years, as you said. Um, and I'm I'm trying to imagine what it was like when you first got into practice. Was was what were the we seem like such a self-reflexive with the, with the smart technology that we have with this kind of like this social media concept that's going on right now. Are the stresses and strains that people are feeling today similar to what uh, people were feeling oh. when you started your practice? Was that or, or have you seen an evolution in how, um, you know, are we are we more strained and stressed or self-reflective now? Are we more self-conscious and anxious now than we were when you when you got into this or or is it just a different era?
1: It uh, it's different. Uh, the amount of information that comes in and any can that can come in in any moment. I don't even know the degree to which that's been increased. Hmm. And I, I th- somebody quoted some statistic not too long ago. And I, but I don't know the exact numbers, but whatever it was, it's like in in <laughs> it might even be a minute. The infusion of information mm. is what, it w- what would have happened in a month or a year or whatever it is. But we're talking about some very small bit of time now in relation to even time 50 years ago. Mm. So it, because the access to information wasn't as great, it was simpler. And I also think that the threats were different. The literal threats were different. Hmm. And, you know, we have an infusion of guns in American society. Mm -hmm. You know, 50 years ago, 40 years ago, even 30 years ago, the degree that that was out there, it wasn't the same. So the literal ways we can be hurt has changed. Mm -hmm. And the amount of information that comes in at a given moment has changed and and there's there's more and more ways that people are also exposed to if you will, exposed to threat in in a an in an intentional way. So the news doesn't focus on the things that help us. The news isn't focusing on good stuff happening and our and our higher nature the news focuses on what is what puts us at threat and i think we would have a very different experience if then if our culture was focusing on what what enhanced us and called us to our higher natures as and our truer natures as opposed to the base elements of our nature
2: that that i think is probably one of the most important points uh that i've heard today is is that idea that that we're just we're not aspiring to the to big enough things or we're not you know Hmm. social media isn't a big enough aspiration being connected through social media or having you know having enough followers isn't a big enough aspiration
1: and it's not genuine connection
2: right right it's
1: it's a it's a kind of connection. It can facilitate genuine connection, but it's not enough. And there is something that we all get when we're face to face and heart to heart, literally, and that's lost through social media. Like I said, there are values to it, uh, and there's you know there's lots of values to it. Ex- except it can't be used to supplant face-to-face
0: and heart-to-heart connection that's where the working remotely has some benefits but in every case I insist on actually having a couple of days with the people in person working with a Mm -hmm. client in New York now and you know insisted that we had three days to kind of meet everybody breathe the same air I I liked it you said face-to-face and heart-to-heart I hadn't heard it put that way before I, I really like that. And, and we, we talk about networking a lot on the show because I think that's a skill that people aren't real good at. They're really good at social media and really good at all of that. But, it's, oh, now I'm going to put them in a, a room of live humans. Now what do I do? Where's your like button? Can I push the like bu- <laughs> button on you? I like you. <laughs> push that button. Uh, I know that you're, uh, we, we talked earlier about, um, we, we talk about mastery. We love mastery on the show and those, we've had lots of people talking about it. You talked about conversational mastery and I think that's a key piece to being good, a good networker and good in live face-to-face situations. i wanted to talk some more about conversational mastery.
1: I, I look at conversational mastery and bo- on both sides of it. One is being able to speak with ease and say the things that you want to say when you want to say them, how you want to say them, and in a manner again that is positive, kind, and well intentioned. That's always at the kind of the the foundation of what I talk about. So, it's, so you, obviously, then you'd be using discretion. And the, it's also the other side of it, and it's how to be a good listener, and how to be a responsive listener. So it's, it, or what I might call, an, a, being able to be well attuned to someone else. We call it. Um, so i, I want it, I want somebody. I want somebody to be able to do both: to to listen well, to respond well, and also to be able to speak with ease.
0: What um. What kind of trick? Well, not tricks. I'm going to call them tools. What's a great tool for being, to help someone be a good listener?
1: I, so I had two words pop into mind, uh, and they were feelings first. Hmm. What do you mean by that? And this is especially true for men, and I, and and please hear this in a kind way, because that's the way I intend intend intended. The uh, there's a uh, I think men, uh, if you will, kind of the just part of your makeup is to want to problem solve.
0: Exactly. So it's, it's
1: a it's and that and that is extremely well intentioned on your part. And and men are often socialized to dismiss feeling. So what ends up happening in conversation is that there's a movement initially to. Problem solve as opposed to pay attention to feeling. Except, I think it's feelings that trip people up the most. How's that? It, it's well. Let me let me circle back to that question because it'll also bring, bring bring me back to a question you asked earlier that I don't think I fully really responded to. If I'm distressed about something and you're my CEO. And you look at me and you go, Well, have you tried this? And have you tried that? And what about this solution? And what about that solution? Except I'm still distressed. Mm. I'm still frustrated, or I'm still disappointed, or I'm still embarrassed about whatever took place. Then it's going to make it harder for me to listen to your solutions when I'm still grappling with my distress. If on, the, if, on the other hand, you, again, you're the CEO, and you see me distressed, and you go, wow, that must have been really frustrating for you. Mm. Now, mm. you've recognized my state. You've recognized my mm. experience. And I go, oh, my God, yes. You give me an opportunity to tell you two or three sentences or maybe a paragraph about what distressed me, I immediately calm down. Mm-hmm. And then we can go to problem solving.
0: Do you find that most people are not very good at that, which is why we're talking about it? Mm
1: -hmm. Yes. Yep. And that's part of the conversational mastery. So it's always feelings first. Uh, Except in high crisis situations. I mean, if it's a life and death death matter, you take care of what needs to be taken care of. Then you come back to deal with the feelings.
0: Well, then you're dealing like a a first responder.
1: (laughs) Exactly. So 95% of the situations we're talking about address the feeling that someone is experiencing.
0: Joan, I'm I'm particularly taken with this on a completely different level in that I've been working on my ability to be a good listener through the study of improv. Our listener knows that have been doing that for about a year now. And when we do our recaps of the shows, we sit down and watch the show and talk about it. Our teacher almost always talks about how when it didn't work, it's because we weren't talking about emotions we weren't focusing on how did I feel towards that other person I was we weren't if we can get that emotional piece in there it connects everybody gets more connected to it and it's it's interesting We, we just had this conversation the other night and what you're suggesting here is that we focus on feeling and emotion yeah yep feelings first I love that. So I, I put a, um on our notes, which you can't see. I've highlighted that in several different colors. I love that. And unfortunately, we're at the end. That 45 minutes evaporated, Patrick.
2: As it usually does.
0: Amazing. That Joan, this was, uh, w- can we reserve the right to recall the witness, Your Honor?
2: Uh, uh, I would
1: be honored. <laughs>
0: yes. I, I love this. I mean, I feel like we just kind of tapped into this, and it was this such a great great topic Um, and I know people listen all the way to the end because they want to wait for this question which is we've had this fantastic conversation and um, I want to put a title on it we want to give it a a name so that when people are looking through the list of well over 50 episodes now deciding which one to listen to first this title gets them go oh man I I, I need to listen to that and we like to give our guests the dibs on that, uh, giving that name. What would we call this episode, Joan?
1: Uh, how did it develop emotional and conversational mastery?
0: Got it. And Joan, is, is this written, I know that um, you've got a trademark on emotional mastery and emotional mastery training. How can people go find this and go deeper with you on this? Uh,
1: they can. Right now, my website is being worked on. so if you're, if you're so it's they can attempt to Google and see if they can pull up Dr. Joan Rosenberg, which is where uh, much of my work or kind of a lead to my work can be found. There's I certainly know that when you Google my name, there's many different kinds of interviews and things that I've done that that are out and available for people to, watch. I also have uh, a, a my own podcast called the Mindstream Podcast. Ooh. And cool. so people can go to iTunes and listen to the Mindstream Podcast. And Mindstream is one word. And I actually did the last episode that I did was all about how to experience feelings.
0: Well, I love that. So
1: if, if people want to listen to that, that's fine. And I also have uh, a book, a couple books on Amazon, the last of which is called Ease Your Anxiety.
0: Ease Your Anxiety. So I'll put those yeah. in the show notes so people yeah, can it's click how, right how through to
1: gain, How to Gain Confidence, Emotional Strength, and Inner Peace.
0: Who doesn't want that, Patrick? <laughs> I'm fine. I, I don't I, need it. I'm you're good. good. Oh, yeah. No, Great. I've never experienced you're, anxiety. You're ready to get hurt. Yeah, I'm ready. Sure. It, yeah,
1: I think what I'm, I think what I'm learning is that men just call it something
0: different. Oh, <laughs> that's probably true. Joan, thank you so much. Uh, this has been a great conversation. I appreciate um, this, and we definitely want to have you back on the show, and uh, in sometime soon. And I'm looking forward to the people's comments care, please be kindful. Kindful, yes. That's a new word, mm-hmm, kindful. Mm-hmm. And I also want to thank California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services, our podcasting partner here, Pull Press for this great studio, and Cielo 24 who provides the searchable captions for our show. The 805 Connect project is supported by partners and sponsors throughout the region. I want to thank them all. More information about the project at 805connect.com. And Patrick, how could someone help us now that they've listened to the very end? How could they help us? Well, I think as our conversation has shown, um,
2: it doesn't really do us any good to just give us five stars and move on. I think we need to hear uh, what it is we can do better. I think that's very important uh, for us to, to read through the comments. If we just see five stars, we're think, we think we're think we fine and we've got nowhere to grow. So uh, help us grow. Uh, give us some uh, advice inside the comments. And uh, give us a, a couple four stars so that we know that we need to work on this harder and that will
0: propel us forward. Absolutely. Thank you. I'd, I would love to hear from you personally as well. You can send me a note, mark at 805connect.com. Let me know. Um, how we can make the show better, right? Thank you. So until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for 805 Conversations.